Hey friends, welcome to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan, and my friend Kendra and I are part of a ministry called His Beloved of Texas. We put on retreats and events for women in the city of Austin to bring them to Jesus and let them experience Him and His love. And we live across the street from each other. Between the two of us, we have 10 kids, and we get to do life together. It's super fun, and we want to invite you in as part of our life. Scripture tells us that hope does not disappoint, and we want to bring you stories of how the Lord has worked in women's lives, men's lives, so that you can know that God is moving and working in your life too. We want to bring you hope. Hey guys, this is Megan. We're so glad you're here. So today we have a really special, fun guest for us. She, Her name is Esther Caswell, and Esther is kind of like the spiritual advisor to our His Beloved ministry. We met Esther about two years ago and just immediately became fast friends, and we really look up to her as a mentor for us. Esther gave up her entire life. Um, when the Lord called her to start a ministry where she just loves and cares for mothers, mothers who are suffering, mothers who are just on the journey of motherhood. And she is devoted to this. She's not married and never plans to be married. She is consecrated to the Lord. And she is so much fun. She's like our own little Joan of Arc. And um, we, when we first met her, we got together and we were discussing our new ministry and what it was going to look like and maybe thinking she might want to be a speaker for one of our events. And we got together at our friend Leanna's house and Leanna has this awesome outdoor I mean, obviously it's outdoor. (laughs) She has an awesome pool and it's a heated pool and it always feels like we're on vacation when we're at Leanna's house. And so we like to swim over there. But on this day, it was cold and rainy and it was June, which is like not typical for Texas, right? So we didn't bring our swimsuits. We weren't getting ready to swim. And we just told the kids like, it's not happening today. And I was ready to go home after we had our meeting. But Esther has this way about her where she just kind of looks right into your soul and she sees what the Lord sees and she just speaks truth truth. And it was one of those days where Esther was dropping Holy Spirit truth bombs on us all over the place. And by the end of the time, the four of us were just in tears and it was beautiful. And Esther said, you know, there's this gorgeous pool right here. Like we should swim. And we're like, we don't have swimsuits. We're not swimming. And she's like, yeah, I think we should swim. Like, no. I, and I was fully, I'm wearing jeans. I am not swimming. And I turn around for just one second. And all of a sudden, Kendra runs by, grabs Esther's hand, and the two of them go running and jumping into the pool together. (laughs) And the pool is nice and warm and beautiful. And I'm still standing on the side going, I'm not getting in that pool until Esther pulled me in the pool. (laughs) By then, all five of us women were in the pool screaming and laughing and our kids come running out the door like, what is going on? (laughs) Our moms are in the pool with their clothes on. Um, And it was the feast of St. John the Baptist's baptism. And we just felt like it was this holy water washing over us and joy and fun and exactly what we needed. And that's who Esther is for us. She's 
kind of our own little John the Baptist. She makes straight the path for the Lord and just keeps directing us back to Him and guiding us with, you know, fun along the way. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with her. We decided at the very beginning that we were just going to let Esther drop whatever Holy Spirit truth she wanted to on us, and we were not going to stop her. So we went over our normal time limit, and so we broke this into two episodes. So you get double the Esther this week and next week. So I hope you guys enjoy. And if you are um, on the road to motherhood and you are suffering and you need some assistance in some way, reach out to us. Esther would love to be there and support you too. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Hello. So glad you're with us. We have a wonderful guest with us today. Her name is Esther Caswell. And Esther is one of our closest, yeah. real-life, amazing friends. We're really yes. glad that she's here. Yes. So, Esther, say hi. Say hey. Hi there. <laughs> I feel very close to you right now on this floor. Thank you. Yeah. Do you love our setup? I do. We have the microphone on a laundry basket upside down. Straight from the heart of the domestic church. I love it. Yeah. And Esther stopped and took our picture, and I was wearing these really goofy headphones with a laundry basket, whatever. That's how we are. Okay. Good. So... Do you want to tell them who you are? Wow. Like, I am the beloved daughter of the Father. Yeah, And that is the most important thing of who I am. I am, uh, let's see, I'm from Brabant Lake, Saskatchewan, Canada. I've taken quite a route to get to this living room today. (laughs) Um, I am someone completely belonging to Jesus. And I'm a little bit crazy for him, Mm -hmm. uh, but he's kind of crazy. I mean, if you actually think about the story of who he is and you take him seriously, he's probably the craziest person I know. So <laughs> that's a little bit about me. Yeah, <laughs> I you like that. it that way. Yeah. yeah. So Esther runs a, a ministry in Austin called the Loretto House. And it's a beautiful, she calls it Mary's House, a beautiful place where we can come and moms can pray together and pray with her. And she walks through suffering with um, mothers who have hard, had the hardest loss of their lifetimes. Um, and it's beautiful. It's an amazing ministry. But she's also... A ton of fun and a little crazy, like she said. Which the, we best, love. the best dancer I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, so I like to say I'm a stay-at-home mom for moms. Oh, I like that. Um, I love that. Because very often mothers do everything in their own houses to make a place of rest for the people around them, but it's not always a place of rest for them. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to say that Loretto House is that place where they can find rest. So you don't have to be going through the greatest loss in the world yeah. mm-hmm. to to find a space. I mean, it is, Loretto House is for mothers and is for women. Mm-hmm. So. And it's been that for Kendra and I. Uh, mm-hmm. We, I don't know, we have our best moments at Esther's house. Just, yeah, it's where we get to be the most vulnerable and um, real with each other and challenged. experience the Lord. Yeah, challenged. Yeah, every week when we see her, we're like, man. We should have been recording. Yeah. <laughs> we said that a few times. you guys are recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. And Esther just lives her life yeah. um, for the Lord in yeah. a way that I, I don't know anybody else who does. Yeah. It's awesome. So this will not be the only time we have Esther on because we know that this is going to be part one of many, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to get started, we want to ask you just some fun questions. Sure. Um, and this one is from Chris. Okay. Because oh, you guys, <laughs> this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Okay. So, okay. If you're in a street fight, mm-hmm. what, what one Bible character would you have by your side? 
Oh, totally Judith. Completely Judith. Wait, who's Judith? Who's Judith? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why do I not know who Judith is? Okay, if you go to the book of Esther and then uh-huh. you look next to it, it's the book of Judith. Judith cut the head off of a man and saved the Jewish people. Her story is amazing. What? You guys know the story of Judith? No. Okay, you need to read the story of Judith. She cut so, the head so off I don't want to be in a street fight with Esther and Judith because she has. <laughs> I I do want to say like someone. you almost have to be just to tell the story of Judith right now, but we're we'll just keep it. You can do tell it. whatever you so want to tell. So just what this is I'm what's curious. really important. So about Judith is that so Judith she lost her husband very early. Her, his name was Manasseh. He had he died of heat stroke, and after she lost her husband, she retired kind of to the roof of her house and was praying. So she was really an intercessor. And during the time of um, one of the many times where the Jewish people were being attacked from another tribe, um, Holnafris was the head of this this kind of group that was trying to destroy the Jews and take over. Basically, the Jewish people were up a mountain, and they had come to an impasse. They cut off their supplies. And the people of the town were starting to take the tithe grain and food that they had given to God for themselves. Mm, Take it back. And they were complaining to God. Um, the men were, they're like, you know, you know, look at what we're going through. And yeah. if you don't do something for us, we're going to do this. And she was just praying. She was a woman of prayer. She heard about what was happening and she came down from her rooftop and she kind of told the men what's what. She said, um, who are you to test God? He's to test you. you. You can't test God. Like, don't touch what belongs to God. And um, she, she said she went up and prayed and she gave like this really beautiful speech you can read. I don't have my Bible with me right now. Um, and this is the most beautiful line. I love this line. Um, the men said, you know, they trusted her because she had spoken from a true heart. Mm-hmm. And she came down and she had a plan. She's like, I'm going to go into the enemy camp. So she goes down the mountain with her maid. She walks into the, the enemy camp. And just imagine, like, and she puts on her most beautiful feminine clothes, okay? Mm-hmm. She's, like, dressed beautifully. Before she goes, she asks for a prayer of protection for her feminine dignity, and she asks God's anointing on her. She goes down into the enemy camp. And you can just imagine the men, like, what? <laughs> like, this woman's walking through, and they're like, what are you doing here? And she said, well, the men of my village are testing God, so I know God's going to destroy them. So I left. Oh, my goodness. And she was actually being honest in a way. She just gave up on them. And so she was taken into the quarters of the head of the army. And, of course, he lusted after her. Mm-hmm. And um, But every day she would go out of the camp to make her prayers with her maid. And so that was something that they just recognized she would do. Well, the Holnoferous, the head, he wanted to seduce her. So he played a trick that apparently is quite old. He tried to get her drunk. Mm-hmm. So he drank but she never really drank. So mm-hmm. he just drank and drank and drank, and he got so drunk that he uh, passed out. So she took his sword and cut off his head. <laughs> and she put it in the bag of her maid. And just like normal, she walked out of the camp, as she had always done. But she walked all the way up the hill. She took the head out of the bag to her people and said, Get down there. I have taken the head. So the, the Jewish people, they go and they attack the camp. Well, if you know anything about army organization, if you take the general, you mm-hmm. take, they're all like freaked out. They're trying to find yeah. their general. Like, what are we supposed to do? Because they're just obeying. They go in. They find a decapitated man. Uh-huh. And they disperse. And so the Jewish people went 
and okay. she came she comes back and and if you look at the actual lining up of the kind of nearing of Mary so we see that Judith conquers with the sword in her hand but Mary conquers with the sword in her heart mm. and so Judith if you look at if you just wanted to outline the the virtues that you see the feminine mm-hmm. virtues that you see in Judith she's not like a feminist like mm-hmm. going to be a masculine um, compete with men by being a man she is so feminine but she has this deep courage and and she has a true heart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so everybody wants to marry her after that but she is he c- keeps dedicated to god and that's judith that's, that's amazing, amazing. <laughs> so yeah totally want her in a street fight and <laughs> yeah, that me too <laughs> yeah and that reminds me a lot of you too like you are that person and one thing you've been saying to us lately a lot is being connected to your heart mm-hmm. and speaking from mm-hmm. a place of your heart. And you right. said she spoke from her heart. Yeah, from a true heart. From this true is heart. so, this is the strength of women. And when it's done truly, um, it, it's like the nobility of a woman. It, it, it leads to almost like a worship or to, to true nobility. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't, if we have the ability to know, noble people with the strength of our heart. And oftentimes there's kind of culturally approach, you know, when there's competition or when there's something wrong, we take on the worst, right? And mm-hmm. we're like, oh, we become that, that word. I don't like to say it's so ugly, you know, female dog. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, this is the absolute opposite mm-hmm. and how much strength and beauty is in it. Mm-hmm. Very much. I'm sure like if Joan of Arc was going to take like a religious name, she totally would have taken on uh, the name yeah. of Judith. Yeah. She it was very much that, yeah. um, but Think about it. It was totally rooted in prayer and rooted yeah. in probably her own suffering of losing her husband, bringing that in prayer um, and really growing in a deep relationship with God so that she could see she was a prophet to her people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a fun question. That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Yay. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you are really connected to the Holy Spirit. Like Esther is lives her life according to the spirit. And we always laugh because we'll be having conversations and all of a sudden Esther will just like go quiet and like zone down because she's like having a conversation with the spirit before she speaks out <laughs> to all of us. Yeah. And we're like, Oh, Esther's quiet again. Like what's happening over there. <laughs> so, and you are just like, you do that for all of us. Like we get to see it. So I want to know what is the craziest thing the Holy spirit has ever asked you to do either in your own life or like to go tell someone else or do something for someone else. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, <clears throat> I feel like a, there's lots of answers to this one. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't try to like, I'm going to ask the Holy spirit to remind me of one because I like, there's, there's a lot of different, I can't think of the craziest ones. I think sometimes prophetic acts, uh, symbolic prophetic acts. Um, you know, actually one of the crazy things that I felt called to do was just this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we're in a global pandemic and we're all trying to <laughs> yeah, kind of stay in our somewhere. homes. <laughs> and, uh, and I, um, we had a uh, good Friday, uh, not within our churches. And I felt called to do, I did a walking pilgrimage and uh, from St. Vincent de Paul to Loretto house, kind of like signifying, you know, the, the institutional church, the domestic church. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, but while I was doing that, I really felt this deep call to go walk and pray in France. Mm-hmm. and I felt so, so convicted of it. Like I need to go do this. And why? Um, I don't know. Maybe God will tell me at, at some point in my life why, but so I just started to claim this, to speak it and to say like, I'm going to go walk in France for a year. Like I'm just going to walk from church to church and love Jesus where he has forgotten. Mm-hmm. 
because I had, was in France prior to this, and I think I was driving. I would stop off at a church. There's so many beautiful churches, and um, so empty. And uh, there's kind of this attack against. So, like the church being the center of the village and the center of society in France, and after the French Revolution, there is a real destruction of this. And I really believe that France actually has something to speak to the rest of the world. I mean, a lot of the errors that we have experienced are from the French Revolution. And they have infiltrated our own hearts without, I mean, that sounds so crazy when you're just like, listen, I'm trying to raise kids here. What are you talking about the French Revolution for? But when you think the order of the way that we live our, our faith life, it was attacked so deeply in the French Revolution. There was nuns and priests killed. Like, and this is like mm-hmm. a monarchy that was um, given by God. Like the first, like the king was baptized. It's like a baptized nation. And it's, if you think about where are all the Marian apparitions that you know mm-hmm. from besides Fatima, <laughs> France. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I felt like I feel sometimes the heart of Jesus in France. And I, I don't know why on that day I had this thought. So I was talking about it. And I think I, I saw you all. We were, we were, we had a, at your house, a we had like a social distant out backyard party yeah. <laughs> and we were talking and I just kind of got quiet and like, I'm going to go walk in France for a year. And you guys, as usual, they're so like, take it in stride. Okay. I think I gave you a weird look. I was like, like, are you sure? Like, do you know that we're in a pandemic? Like, are you really going to do this? And so, um, yeah, I, I, that night I was like, okay, Lord, I said yes. Yeah. But I, I'm so tired of doing things alone. I don't want to do this alone. Cause you were going to walk alone. I mean, I was going to go and do, do, what yeah. do whatever. Mm-hmm. And the countries were shut down at this time too. That's the airports true. were shut down. Everything, everything was shut, was shut down. down. It, this was, but April, the, the right? Way, the way that we've gotten to see the Lord move in Esther's life is like, when she said that, I was like, heck yes, you are. This was literally <laughs> the, happen. the first time. How, it's going to happen. This was the first time we had seen human beings. Yeah. Right. I yeah. remember saying, we're going to be in the same place together and we're yes. going to sit outside and actually like see each other's faces. Like yeah. th- That's the point of, of quarantine when she had this idea. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, that night I was asking the Lord, like, do you want me to do this alone? The next day I received an email of a pilgrimage called the M de Marie. And it was, um, a pilgrimage marking the M over France. And, um, it was marking with the five, uh, most noted kind of universally approved apparitions. So, one, and it was a horse-drawn carriage with a beautiful statue of Mary. That that statue, particular statue, is very dear to me. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, every story I have is connected to another story. So I'm just going to leave it there. We'll put the boundaries <laughs> around the story. I want to know why. I can't go there because it's like, we'll be here for hours. But um, this 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 pilgrimage was leaving from Lourdes and then going up to Pomont, which is a, it's a lesser-known apparition here, but mm-hmm. it's still universal. It's beautiful. And then coming down into Pelvison, which is another one that we don't hear too often about. Yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. our lords, as we will say here. <laughs> and then on the other one is La Salette. Uh-huh. Then going up to Paris. So the miraculous medal, um, Rue de Bac. Mm-hmm. And then coming back down to Pelvison. And so that was so crazy. The day that I found out about it was also a very important day. And I won't go into that story. But <laughs> So it was very um, providential. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the organizers. I got somebody to like check my French, the Google translation French, and um, and sent this email like, can I join? And I received it. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm sure they're like, they're never going to make it here. But <laughs> yeah, go, go for it, champ. <laughs> yeah. And from that point, I just started focusing on getting what I needed ready to go. And we were waiting for the borders to open and mm-hmm. every day it was waiting. It was agony because 
it's like when you have hope, actually, I'm so happy that I'm talking about this because there's something that God put on my heart today that I need to share that's connected. Um, so when you have hope for something, like it's the worst situation because it's not, you haven't attained it yet. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have, you're not in control of the, um, of its ability to come to pass. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're in this intensive vulnerability and it's so much easier not to hope for something. So it's easier just to remain in your home, to stay where you are, to not ask, like not have a podcast, not do this or Mm -hmm. not do that and stay there. And I, my biggest struggle was the tension of like, what am I, I'm preparing to go, but like, it's crazy that I'm preparing to go. I had a ticket prior because I was already going to, somebody had offered a ticket for, um, the Sharth pilgrimage, which is kind of like Pentecost pilgrimage that Mm -hmm. obviously was canceled. Oh yeah. Somebody gave that to me, um, on the feast of our lady of Lourdes. Oh my goodness. I'm just thinking of this. This is so crazy. Wait, wasn't that night? The night that you told us all of this, wasn't that that Pentecost day that you just said? Oh, perhaps. perhaps it was the it French was. Pentecost or something. Well, Remember? there was only one Pentecost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the that, French something else. like American Canon of Thanksgiving. Wait, that was French. It was the eighth. No, it was the French Joan of Arc's feast oh, day. That's yes. what it was. Yes, that's yeah. what it was, the French Joan of Arc's feast day. Way to go on that. That was I, I'm awesome. I'm not as dumb as I just sounded. No. I promise. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Wait, good point. Thank you. Um, yeah, so... Over the next couple months, I was ch- listening to the news in France, checking the, you know, checking. Well, I had a friend um, that my brother knows the, uh, one of the, um, what do you call it? Diplomats for, uh, for France in Chicago, because my brother is parish. They raised money for France after Notre Dame. So I thought, well, maybe I'll ask him. Maybe he can get me in. And so I, would be, I was like hounding this guy <laughs> and it didn't go really anywhere, but you know, that's fine. And then, um. I ended up like going to the airport three times. Like the first time I went with somebody and they're like, it's not meant to happen. It's not going to happen. You shouldn't be there. And I was like, I don't think so. I think I have to keep going. I was in the worst bureaucratic cycle because they'd open the borders to Canadians, but I was in the United States. And so when I would go to the airline counter, I was there for two hours. They're trying to find out like how they can get me through. I call the consulate of France. I'm like, can I get through? Yeah, you, sh- you can get through. Can you give me a, a paper? Nope, I can't give you a paper. <laughs> so it was like this constant, constant, constant. Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to go like do this walkie pilgrimage? Every time I would tell people, they're like, what? <laughs> like, do you realize where we are and what we're doing right now? But the second day, the mm-hmm. second try, the women at the counter that you went to talk to, like there was purpose in even that interaction, yes, that quick absolutely. interaction. Both times. Like there was yeah. just like some kind of... Um, they needed you. Yeah, I think I needed, and she was talking to me about wanting to do a pilgrimage herself for the, yeah. the way of St. James, and she, she was so excited. And, and so that was, so it was two times I went, and then it was kind of like the last possible, like I was going to try one more time. And mm-hmm. it was like that in between, like, okay, God, if you don't want me to do this, if it was all just to have some kind of, you asked me just to follow the, the steps, but it's not going to come to fulfillment, you know, I have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. So it was the Feast of St. Thomas, when I finally, like it was that the night before, it was like first Friday in July, which is the month of the sacred, you know, the, not, sorry, the most precious blood of Jesus. And I was like, okay, God, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go to the airport and I'm just going to leave. And I don't know where it's going to take me, but I just have to do this. Like I have to give it one more try. Yeah. So the third time I flew from here to Chicago to Toronto. And then from Toronto to Montreal and from Montreal to France. 
How many hours did it take you to get to France? I, I don't even want to count. Like that. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but but I but you to got France, there, and then I I took the train, and I took the train to where the pilgrims were supposed to be, mm-hmm. and um, and basically um, after that. I, uh, like, walked. I had my big my backpack and everything, and I just joined them. Like, hey, yeah. I messed her, remember? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't speak up. very good French. And so it was that was the beginning of this walking pilgrimage, which I walked about 1,000 kilometers. Um, I didn't be- join them at the beginning, so it was mm-hmm. more than a three-month pilgrimage for them. Um, and it was incredible. It was exactly what God asked me to do. But the most beautiful thing was, like, going with Mary into these towns, yeah. where people had been in quarantine for so long. And I really felt like it was Mary going through France, waking up her children one last time. Mm-hmm. So my sense of this was that when the fire of Notre Dame happened, like it kind of broke the heart. I'm not even just France, but because it's like something happened to our mother. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there is a judgment coming on France because there's a hard heartedness there. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because they've been given everything, everything, everything. It's, like, it's ridiculous how much they have been given. I mean, if you were, like, we have one beautiful church. We're so happy. We're like, let's go visit the one beautiful church in this yeah. area. But, like, it's, like, every town. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh, an apparition happened here. Like, the same here. And, and it's, like, saints. you get so used to it. It's, like, you, you just get dulled to the grace. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like Jesus' heart. Um, if you think about a man who's trying to woo a woman, and he gives her all the jewels and treasures, and he just loves her, and he, and he adorns her with everything. And she takes those things and her friends are like, oh, wow, what a beautiful this, our beautiful ring, beautiful that. And she's like, I know. <laughs> but she, she never says who it's from. And I just felt like Jesus, he can't help but, but love France. But France is like the, the coquettes, like this woman, like, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> and so it hurts because he can't help but love it. And mm-hmm. I felt like Mary was going through um, kind of like there was a justice. And Mary's like, wait, let me go one more time to wake up my yeah. children. And these two kalesh, these two uh, carriages with Mary and these groups of people walking through into all these little small parish towns and bringing Mary. And it was like Mary calling her children. And it was so incredible to witness, so incredible. And um, the highlight for me was in uh, Sacre-Cœur, or, uh, you know, in Montmartre, the, you know, St. Margaret Mary, mm-hmm. um, where there's adoration in Paris, like the very top of the hill. There was a mass on the 15th of August with the archbishop. And um, I just left. So I was doing the west route. It didn't go to Paris, but we had a, an interdict, or we had a, sorry, a, I'm trying to tr- <laughs> translate. So we were not able to walk so to one through one region mm-hmm. because of the cause of COVID. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I took a trip to Paris and I ended up singing in the choir in the sanctuary that's like could when Mary came in and the ring of St. Joan of Arc, which is the only like closest relic. And it was the ring that she had was given and so beautiful and precious to me. It's supposed to be on my finger, but that's okay. It's another, <laughs> but anyway, it was the most beautiful thing. And I looked up and I was, I was in the choir and I looked up and there is the sacred heart of Jesus. And I felt like Jesus was just saying like, this is my gift to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that's, that was a crazy thing. And I obviously got in a plane mm-hmm. and came back and, um, I don't think anybody has been harmed by uh, this journey, <laughs> and I really believe that that pilgrimage in France, prior to the second uh, lockdown, that there are spiritual reverberations that are going to mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, impact not just France. Like, I don't, it's, it's not just a France thing. I think the battle that we're fighting right now is not just about, it's, it's beyond um, just one country. And, um, and Mary is, is claiming her children, calling them. And so it was beautiful to be kind of called in the craziest kind of situation to, um, to go walk for three months, come back. When I came through the Dallas airport, um, a security man who maybe was a little bit grumpy that day, um, <laughs> He was kind of stopping people, just not, he wasn't at the desk, but he was just stopping people as they're getting their, their luggage. And he's like, where'd you come from? And I said, France, how did you get to France? And he was so mad at me. He was like, I, how, how is that even possible? That's not even possible. I was like, well, I'm Canadian. So you're a Canadian and you went to France. And he was, he was like, <laughs> all of his anger and all of his wow. insecurities and everything were just, he was actually really inappropriate and really angry. And it uh-huh. had nothing to do with security. It was him airing his own pain, but I felt like God was showing me, do you realize like what a miracle it was Yeah, that she went, yeah. like, it's almost like a little tiny hole opened up. I yeah. got out and I came back. Yeah. And so that's a crazy thing. I think the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it is. Do. And you said yes. And you went willingly. If you had no idea, you didn't speak the language as well as I can't imagine being in a foreign country for three months and not having anyone to speak to in it, your own language. It can be kind of lonely and it, French people do not. Speak English, even if they know, like, it's, it's... Although you look like a famous person, would you like to share who oh, no, no, you no, look no. like? <laughs> little girls, I like how you just bring it. It was like little girls. They're like, are you the mother of the man of the Emma Watson? Yeah. Like, you look like so much like... They were like following me, like little taunting me, like, Emma Watson, Emma Watson, Emma Watson. It was like the weirdest you, thing. Do you really look like her? No, I don't think so at all. <laughs> I think, I don't know what... It, it, I don't even know what she looks like. I, just I don't either. Just, I don't think it, either like the mother of Emma Watson or Emma Watson, but I have no idea who she is, so... <laughs> Emma Watson I, from... From Harry Potter. Okay, see, I didn't watch Harry Potter. That's my. You didn't even know who it was. They were saying not (laughs) at all. She's Hermione. Oh, okay. Harry Potter. Well, I have no idea. And uh, (laughs) that's all right. She's gorgeous. So there you go. I thought, hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. But I, I, yeah, it was just a very. um, I don't think I fully unpacked that experience, Mm but um, yeah, I, I think that that was one of the times where, I mean, nobody was going to France, and in fact, actually the people working for like the diplomats, they weren't even allowed to go back to France because they were, they wouldn't have the guarantee of returning back to the United States. So they stayed here. Wow. So when you, when I was talking to different people in the consulate, like they're staying here for the summer and I'm going to their country. So it was kind of like a, I was very aware that mm-hmm. I wasn't just going for myself and coming from Canada, we received our faith from the missionaries of France. Mm-hmm. They, they offered their life so that mm-hmm. we could have our faith. And so it was very, um, it was a, it was kind of like the new world saying to the old world, like wake up, yeah. That's beautiful. Going back to what you mentioned about the people of France and, and the fire of Notre Dame um, and how it just kind of broke them open. Mm-hmm. I was listening to On the Other Side with Chris and Jamie Ivey mm. about the story of the Wimberley flood. Mm. Um, and this happened, I think, six years ago. And there was a family and their friends, they were vacationing in Wimberley. And um, flash floods hit and the house they were staying on. I remember that it just floated down Mm -hmm. and, um, this man lost all of his friends, all of his family, his children, his wife, everyone. And he was telling the story and so beautiful. And it's, I've always since then wondered, um, like every now and then I would just pray for him and his journey. Um, and so it was very consoling for me to hear his story and mm-hmm. how the Lord has walked him through um, this the past six years. But he said something that really out to me. He said, because um, he's now married. Okay. Um, he said, if my heart wasn't broken open, I wouldn't have been able to receive love from her. Oh, wow. Isn't that beautiful? But it made me think of that with France 
right? Um, like their their hearts are broken open. Mm-hmm. Right. Now the they're pain. ready to receive. Me. Yeah. And I, I think that that was just the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think they recovered in two days or something. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but what I mean to say is that the very first initial reaction was tears of children who have been hurt because their mother is hurting. Mm-hmm. But um, it kind of almost went quickly to like the, the kind of the sins of France are very much over intellectualizing mm-hmm. and separating their heart. Like, um, actually, that's why the, the apparition of Pullman which is so incredible. It's there's a Mary says this line and it's so beautiful to me. Mon fils laisse toucher. My son allows himself to be touched. Mm-hmm. And like I think that's my prayer over France right now is and just over okay, All think about us. feminism actually like feminism like the feminism that's like the anti-feminine. Yeah. It originated in France. Mm-hmm. And so but then you think about so you think about the anti-feminine and you think about the beautiful feminine of Mary, right? So mm-hmm. there's this whenever yeah. like the devil never creates. He always imitates. Right. So when he's trying to destroy, there's always going to be an anti, you know, like yeah, just in every like superhero movie, right? Like the superhero mm-hmm. movies, there's the hero and the anti-hero. This mm-hmm. is the story of every story, you know? Mm-hmm. And right now we're in a time in the church when the feminine, the true feminine is called forth as never before. Mm-hmm. And this is where, um, like when you're saying a broken, open heart, like, how many of us have experienced a heartbreak and then we decided to keep our heart closed? Like, I'm never going to get hurt again. Yeah. Like, I'm not going there. Like, I'm not opening my heart. Like, that's stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's when I thought about that line of my son allows himself to be touched, to be moved, you know? Um, my son also allows himself to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And, and like, this is Jesus who puts his heart out again and again and again and allows himself to be rejected. And that's... Um, it's hard to talk about because I think all of us can have one experience or another of rejection, of feeling mm-hmm. rejected yeah. and how it's not fun. And that the risk that God takes in his love is to stand there and allow himself to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And um, because it's worth it. Yeah, we it's hope worth so. It. It's worth it for him to to capture our hearts if we turn back from that rejection, right? It's, it's almost like we're worth it, but that's hard to we're believe sometimes, it. right? Yeah. It's, it's hard. Really it really, I mean, like we can believe other people are worth it, mm-hmm. but I, I would really challenge people. Like, how do you go into that? Like, how do you say you're someone who has shut off, mm-hmm. right? How do you open back up? I'm working on it. <laughs> I was actually just talking to somebody yesterday saying right. like, I, I'm recognizing places in my heart that have been hurt yeah. that I see where I'm not opening up. And actually, it's been leading. My meditation recently has been um, the meditation from Revelation. Like, you've done these good works. You have suffered through these things. But it, but I hold this against you. You have forgotten the love that you had at first. Mm-hmm. And I've been really pondering, like, what does that mean to return to your first love? Mm-hmm. And um, it's definitely something, like, it's interesting because when in, it's in Revelation and it's the letters to the churches. And this this letter, it's interesting because it's actually these people are doing good. Like they suffer a lot. They kept the faith. They called out the false apostles. They, you know, they just kept on the straight and narrow, Mm -hmm. but I hold this against you. You have forgotten your first love. Repent and return to your, you know, repent Mm -hmm. and return. And so I've been pondering, I've been actually asking like, what do you, how do you return to your first love? And I was thinking about, you know, you know, is marriage like, there's always those wistful days of like, oh, remember when we were so in love and everything was so perfect and yeah. that was just really crappy. No, but like, like 
Sometimes it's like hard, but it's this, this, um, like, I don't know, like maybe it's a false idea. Like we have to turn to that first romance, but I think we don't create the romance sometimes, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like, or do we, like, how do you build romance? How do you rebuild like the romance or like the love within a relationship? That's not just the duty, right? Mm -hmm. So we can start, you know, mothers and families, you can start just living out of duty, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're like, because it's pleasing Jesus, so it's okay. You're like, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I live out of duty. Um, but I think God wants us to live out of love. Mm-hmm. Living out of love is hard. Yeah. And that's why we have to be first secure, resting in that first love of knowing that we are loved, right? Yeah. So you said this last week to me. Mm-hmm. You said, I think the words you said were something of, remember what it felt like when you first noticed he looked at you or when you first Mm -hmm. saw him. Right. It's from the movie. I would actually, that's kind of where I've been heading is that, um, so there's a movie full of grace, which is more like a meditation than a movie. And it's Mary's life after Jesus ascended. Mm -hmm. And you see that like the the difficulty, the darkness of it, the, like the exile that she experienced and the apostles are fighting. Huh? I don't know what that's like. (laughs) And, um, just, there's just a lot that's hard. And, She's calling the apostles together, and this is one of the things she says to them. She doesn't speak a lot in, in this. She says, you know, in the darkest times, remember when he first laid eyes on you. He first laid eyes on you. And I think that's it. I might even, you know, how it's worth me watching that again. I have a hard time watching pious movies, but I will do it. No, <laughs> no it's true. It's yeah. uh, beautiful. But um, it's, it's very striking because then I'm going back to that. And maybe... I think whenever we allow ourselves to receive love, it is through the eyes. I mean, think about when you love your, your children, like when you have a little baby and you just look at them and they look at you. Oh. And there's almost like this little zing that goes through the eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a double heartbeat or something. Like it's, um, mm-hmm. and I think even those that you have been married, there, there was that moment with this, this person you're married to. And it, it had nothing to do with even the preparation of like, it's the moment, and it's scary at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's beautiful, but it's so freaking scary. Because it's like, I'm not in control. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of, it's it's like falling. It's like, that's what we call falling in love, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, because, because this person, the spark, the divine spark, right? And I think that I would pray that we've, each of us has had that with Jesus, but I don't know if that's necessarily the truth, you know? And uh, in my life, uh, in the one thing that really changed in the direction of my life was actually a realization, and it was through um, a deep suffering, but a realization of what it meant that Jesus died for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very easy for us to say to other people, oh, Jesus died for you. Yeah. Like, he died for you. He died for you. I think that knowing, like, you are worth it, you are loved, mm-hmm. you, like, he's asking you for your heart. And it's not passive either. We have to receive it. Receiving is not passive in the sense of like my will, my whole self is there. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment in my life where I was asked to receive that. And it demolished me. Mm-hmm. I was demolished in the best possible way. I was broken open in the best possible way. Because when you have received a love, you cannot possibly return in any way. You can't like buy, oh, I'll, I'll make you dinner now, you know, like, right. or I'll take care of you when I'm sick or with all those little ways. Mm-hmm. It's just so unearned. 
I think there's a part of us that really still thinks we earn Jesus' love. Let's just mm-hmm. be honest. Like we, we go about our life saying he loves us, but we live it like we're earning it. Instead of starting the day like I am loved, yeah, I live my day like I'm trying to be loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a really great Advent book that I recommend. It's called The Read of God by mm-hmm. Carol Hauslander. I don't know if it's in that book or another one, but she talks about like who would ever like, like if your husband comes home from work, would you have like a list? These are all the things I did wrong. Like the first, <laughs> thing, that, the, the first yeah. thing that you would say to him when he came to the door, like is a list of everything you failed in. Probably not, but we kind of approach God that way sometimes. Yeah. Our first, our first initial reaction sometimes is like when I'm going into that encounter with him, maybe I'm going to adoration or maybe I'm taking time to pray the accuser or even ourselves, we, we automatically are pushing out with the ways either that we don't deserve to be loved or we did something wrong. And mm-hmm. he's like, can I just love you? Mm-hmm. And think about like maybe it, your most squiggly children, who, child who doesn't like to cuddle. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the desire that you have as a mother to love your children and those beautiful moments that you have when they're just resting for a moment in the love that you are giving them. Mm-hmm. Like it's not tension. There's not 50 other children pulling on you, but you just are holding this child. Like, you know the joy of that moment, but also the pain of the times where you're trying to reach out with love to a child and they pull back. Mm -hmm. They push you away. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't improved much since childhood. (laughs) Right, yeah. So, like, I always like to say, a saint is someone who receives all the love that God has for them. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. And so the hardest work, I think, especially for women, the hardest work is actually receiving. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, I'm just going to sit on my couch and one day his love will come and I'll receive it. It's in order to be open to receive, I might have to be broken open. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, you don't have to look for the breaking open. Like, there's enough in life to break us open. <laughs> yeah. It's, are we protecting the wrong things? All right, friends, we're going to pause Esther right there. And I hope that you'll come back next week to hear the rest. Um, she's just just a beautiful way that she expresses the love that the Lord has for us, um, for her especially, but for all of us. And the thing that I just can't stop thinking about is that moment where you first noticed the Lord laid His eyes on you. What did that look like for you? Do you remember it? Was it more of like a gradual, slow process of falling in love with the Lord? Or were you like me? Like, I can remember what that feels like. I can remember that moment Um, and praying this prayer, Lord, I want to fall in love with you. I want to fall in love with you and feeling his love. And it was shocking and new and exciting. And so I've been really thinking about that since she told me that about a week ago, just remembering that moment and going back to it. When things feel like my prayer life is dry or my real life is tough, like just going back to that, feeling like young love again, you know, what does it feel like to be gazed at by the Lord? And, and to gaze back in His direction. Because you know, if you haven't ever felt it, He's already gazing at you. Like He's already there. He's already hoping that you'll just turn back and look at Him. And we're the ones that don't always notice it. <laughs> He's there. And we're a little bit slower sometimes on the uptake, but he, he wants to see you. He wants to gaze at you too. All right, guys. I hope you have a fantastic um, week of Advent. And we'll get to see you next week. Bye-bye.